0: This is Ozarks at Large for Friday, October 7th, 2022. I'm Kyle Kellums. This is 91.3 KUAF, your public radio station. We are a listener-supported service of the School of Journalism and Strategic Media at the University of Arkansas. We're going to start this show, as we do so many Fridays, with Michael Tilley from Talk Business and Politics. He's joining us by phone from his office in Fort Smith. Michael, this has been your kind of weather week.
1: It is my kind of weather week. It's um, and it looks like it's going to be that way in the future. It's but unfortunately though, I'm, mentally I'm not sure what to believe anymore. The my Cowboys are winning when they shouldn't, and the Razorbacks are losing when they shouldn't. So I don't. I, I'm a little. I'm a little confused.
0: Well, okay. We look <laughs> to you to help us become unconfused. Let's uh, let's let's take some steps toward that. Let's start with some building permit numbers. Help, help us understand these that, that are at TalkBusiness.net. Well,
1: the, um, yeah, the numbers in the Fort Smith metro, we look at Fort Smith, Greenwood, and Van Buren. Um, the the three cities had permit values of uh, just a little over $36 million, almost $37 million in September. That was up 29% uh, compared to August and up uh, 85% compared to September last year. And keep in mind, as I go through these numbers, just remember – uh, last year's sales, um, excuse me, building permit numbers um, set a record of 343.2 million, um, just blew out the previous record. So uh, these are up against pretty tough comparisons. Um, it, interestingly enough, though, the Fort Smith numbers were down in September, and what kept everything bolstered, whatever kept everything up, or the, was Greenwood and Van Buren activity, huh. which is usually the opposite. Now, year-to-date, um, Fort Smith um, – well, let me go back on the on year-to-date for the whole region. Um, uh, year-to-date for the region, um, the permit values are up three hundred 352.6 million. That's up almost 43% compared to last year, which, again, um, was a record year, and through September – the region's already blown past last year's record numbers, so um, it's been it's been quite active. Um, year-to-date in Fort Smith, the permit numbers are up 21%. Uh, they're at two, 260 million. Now, uh, in the September report, um, the new residential construction in Fort Smith was down uh, 64%. And it was down seventy-five percent compared to last September. It's down sixty-four percent compared to August, and down seventy-five percent compared to September. We're gonna watch that, Kyle. I think everyone knows it's no big secret that the Fed has been raising rates. So, you know, we're moving from a market in which you could sell a home three percent interest roughly. Now that's six percent or more and will go higher. So we're gonna see if these kind of these early numbers on uh, new residential construction and even multifamily construction. See what they're gonna, how they're gonna start trending, because you're gonna start pulling demand out of the market as those mm-hmm. interest rates rise. Um, now, the first nine months through uh, the year through Van Buren. In Van Buren, their sales, t- their, excuse me, their building permit numbers are 81 million. That's 236 percent increase over last year.
0: 236 percent. That's a big number.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and I'm going to get to that in a second. Okay, eleven in Greenwood. The year-to-date total is 11.6 million. That's up almost 38 percent compared to last year. So, a couple of things um, in Van Buren. The city through the year um, has received a lot of permit activity. I think you remember Simmons Food announced that it was a, a, announced a hundred million dollar expansion of its plant in Van Buren um Part of that, they had a twenty million dollar permit pulled in September, um, and that's a big project. It'll add about hundred jobs. That plant will employ about seven hundred people. Pretty large. It's a food processing operation. Pretty large operation there in Van Buren. So that's benefited that city's activities. Um, and the thing that I like about this report, of course, you know, I don't like that Fort Smith was down, but This report, now it's just one report, but it's an example of why I think the metro area benefits when it has more than one city Mm. with a growing economy. You know, it's just like a business. You know, the more revenue streams, the better. So uh, that's an interesting – it's good to see Greenwood and Van Buren have such robust activity through the year. And then one last point on the building permit numbers, Um, for the past 10 years between 2011 and 2021 – the, there's been a 71% increase in annual permit values in the, among those three cities. So, I know Northwest Arkansas gets a lot of, as it should, um, a lot of headlines about their growth, but um, it hadn't. They hadn't just been uh, sitting around in the Fort Smith in the Fort Smith Metro.
0: Well, uh, another report indicates that there's not a lot of sitting around going on throughout the state. Arkansas's tax revenue surplus. Almost $175 million to the end of the first quarter of the fiscal year. It's up again.
1: Yeah. And, and then, you know, of course, that fiscal year began in July, so right. the end of the first fiscal is in September, That's yeah, right. um, $2.08 billion uh, for its total revenue in the three-month period. That's up 6.4%, and it's up a little over 9% above what the forecast, the budget forecast was. Um. The interesting thing, you've had individual income tax revenue uh, was up four, almost 5% in that first quarter, and sales and use tax revenue was up 9.5% um, in that period. And just like those permit numbers, these numbers are up against pretty, um, pretty good numbers in 2021. So I know we get, we get hit, and we're going to get hit with more as the election draws near about how bad the economy is or whatever, but you can't convince me that the Arkansas economy is bad or that. uh, And and look, and I pay for fuel and food just like everybody else. I see the inflation, but the Arkansas consumer based on these numbers uh, is still doing well and is still spending. So that's, that's a good sign. Could it be though?
0: I mean, we do have evidence in the past, that Arkansas trends, a little bit you know, behind national, could it be that it's coming for us inflation uh hurting the economy in a couple of months or so? well, I don't think
1: I don't think inflation is a lagging, okay uh, I, I know what you're saying, but yeah. inflation doesn't doesn't lag that much it it will with fuel, you know in some California and some other places, you will get higher fuel and maybe some higher food prices, but um, I think. And and again, and it's relative also. So you may have higher fuel prices in a place like California, but that's in a state with higher average income. So um, I I don't see that lagging. I I think that the Arkansas consumer is probably on a relative scale being hit, just like everyone else around the country.
0: Finally, Sebastian County has a new chair of the County Election Commission. What do we know?
1: Well, we know it's um, Kara Jean, which is interesting. Um, She didn't want the job uh, randy mcfadden was the newest member both randy and kara are republican members of the three person panel uh, lee webb he's the democrat but um she appointed mr mcfadden at their october 5th at their wednesday meeting but it turns out he hasn't gone through all the training doesn't have the certificate and he's not qualified so mm. she became the um Chairman really kind of by default because the two Republicans aren't going to elect the Democrat. So, right. But this is um, it's a little interesting, um, if not, I don't know what the right word is. I guess I should be careful. But you know, Kerr is the one that just up and all of a sudden out of the blue voted against the voting side at the University of Arkansas at Fort Smith after they toured the facility, worked out all the details, thought they had an agreement between the university. And the election commission, and then just said, nope, I'm voting against it and wouldn't explain why and still refuses to answer any questions. In fact, uh, our reporter and a reporter with the television, I think there were two reporters, possibly three reporters tried to get her to answer questions. And she just waved them off and and walked off and said, I will not be answering any of your questions. So I'm not sure. Um, I think no matter your party, anyone should be concerned with a public official with such responsibilities uh, who does not believe it necessary to answer questions or to communicate to the public. So we're off to a rocky start with this new chairman.
0: Well, the good news is Michael Tilley still wants to communicate with us, and we plan to do that every Friday. You can read about all of these items and many others at talkbusiness.net. Beat Mississippi State. Michael, we'll talk to you next week. (laughs) <laughs>
1: let's hope those cowbells die down pretty early. Yes. Thank you, Michael.
2: October is jam-packed with activities for the whole family at Crystal Bridges. From outdoor exhibitions such as Listening Forest and Architecture at Home, to the museum's first fashion exhibition, Fashioning America, to talks inspired by the We the People exhibit and a busy Halloween weekend. Details at crystalbridges.org. SONA, the Symphony of Northwest Arkansas, presents its biggest season ever beginning October 29th at Walton Arts Center. The eight concert season features beloved classics, the annual tradition Christmas show, a hybrid orchestra jazz concert, groundbreaking contemporary voices, and a special concert for families, representing a wide vision of what orchestral music can be. Tickets and subscriptions at 443 5600 or sonamusic.org.
0: There is now a formal organization opposing Issue 1 on next month's Arkansas ballot. The measure, referred to voters by the Arkansas legislature, would allow the legislature to call itself into special session without approval or participation from the governor. The group, Arkansans Against Issue 1, is co-chaired by Randy Zook, the president and CEO of the Arkansas Chamber of Commerce. In a statement regarding the formation of the group, Zook says the passage of the measure could move the state from having a once-a-year legislative body to something closer to a full-time legislature, meaning, he says, it could become harder for an average Arkansan to serve in either the state house or Senate. Arkansas Governor Asa Hutchinson is detailing his national priorities while serving his final months in office. The governor was the keynote speaker yesterday at the annual meeting of the Jonesboro Regional Chamber of Commerce. The Republican governor says he wants to help make the United States more energy independent to reduce its reliance on foreign oil and keep the country safe. I want
2: to be a voice for expanding our energy production for a more secure border to making sure that Uh, we can uh, address the national security issues in our country and so for that reason I have a national platform called America Strong and Free. And I love that message because it reflects what I believe uh, our country needs.
0: Governor Hutchinson is term limited from running again for governor, but has said he's considering a run for president in 2024. The governor says he has enjoyed every minute of being in office and credited Northeast Arkansas for helping him get elected eight years ago. The governor also said he wants to use federal money from the bipartisan infrastructure law to expand broadband in Arkansas and support mental health services. Talk Business and Politics reports Governor Hutchinson disagrees with President Biden's decision to pardon people convicted of simple marijuana possession under federal and Washington, D.C. law by using executive action. Talk Business reports the governor calls the action the equivalent of waving the flag of surrender in the fight to save lives from drug abuse. President Biden says criminal records for marijuana possession impose needless barriers to employment, housing and educational opportunities. The Walmart Museum in downtown Bentonville will move to a temporary home while the original museum undergoes renovation. On November 1st, the museum will move to the nearby Ledger, located on the first floor. A description of the renovation from Walmart indicates the changes will create a more inclusive, accessible, and interactive museum when it reopens in the spring of 2024. The Arkansas Razorback baseball team will host a professional squad of players for two exhibition games next week. The Texas Rangers Instructional League team will be at Walker Stadium for a nine-inning contest Wednesday evening at 6 and a seven-inning game Thursday afternoon at 4. The Rangers team includes prospects ranging in age from 17 to 34. Both games are free, and there will be food and beverage concessions available. And a programming note, the next hearing regarding the January 6th violence at the U.S. Capitol, scheduled to take place Thursday beginning at noon. NPR will provide live coverage of the hearing. We'll bring you that coverage. If the scheduled hearing takes place, and this scheduling is always fluid, we'll not have a Thursday edition at noon of Ozarks at Large next week. This is Ozarks at Large, a talk business and politics Hendricks College poll from mid-September shows strong support for Arkansas Issue 4, which would legalize recreational marijuana for adults 21 and over. Robert Kuhn, managing partner with Impact Management Group, spoke with Ozarks at Large's Matthew Moore to provide some analysis of the polling. Kuhn says from a demographic standpoint, the approval is not just coming from younger voters.
3: Sure. Well, I think in a, with an issue like this, the first thing you're gonna look at is, you know, what is the what is the age what are the age categories doing? Is there a drastic difference? You know, I think as people might expect, you know, the younger folks are, the more supportive they are of the measure as it stands today. But interestingly, I and mean, even among the oldest category that we that we test, the sixty-five plus group, there was still a plurality that says they would support it overall. So, you know, you're talking about a difference between sub support in the forties compared to Support in the 70% range, right, for younger voters, the youngest category. But still, it's not a situation where older voters are adamantly against it.
4: So we're looking at an age demographic. What about from a party affiliation? You know, if something's going to have nearly 60% uh, favorability in Arkansas, there's got to be at least a little bipartisanship, right?
3: That's right. I think in this poll you see that. um, Democrats are largely supportive. I think about 75% uh, supportive. Uh, Independents are... About 63% supportive. Uh, So they're kind of, that's where the really the base is coming in. Republicans are more evenly split. Our survey kind of had about a four point approved uh, support side uh, for those that would like to see it go into effect. But, you know, it's still pretty close. I don't know as, you know, your, your more traditional Republican voters maybe solidify, maybe that number comes down a little bit. But even having some nominal support from Republican voters. I think, gives gives it the boost to put it where it is.
4: When this poll was conducted, we were not 100% sure if votes on the ballot would count. Now we know that they will. Do you anticipate this number, this 58% will change? And how do you expect that to change?
3: Well, I think it definitely could. Um, I think a lot of the, the, the efforts by opponents to issue four have been in the courts thus far. Uh, you saw a couple different groups organize and, and intervene uh, to try to keep it off the ballot. I think what you'll what you'll see now is those groups will, you know, clearly already have some fundraising under their belts, and I think they'll transist their message to trying to educate the public instead of uh, fighting in the court. So, they're going to do you know everything they can to try to demonstrate to voters you know why they think it's a bad proposal. But obviously, the other side, the pro side, will be doing the same thing. You know, no real campaign dollars from a communicating to voters have really happened on either side. I think the big thing here is, you know, where we have been with medical marijuana and, you know, the, the sky didn't fall, I think, for a lot of people with medical marijuana. So all of the fears that were kind of put out there about what that would look like uh, maybe didn't take place. And so a lot of people are comfortable with it, they have familiarity with it. And I think that's probably where some of this, un, you know, kind of surprising support comes from.
4: Right, we're looking at 2016 as when medical marijuana passed by a pretty slim margin. I mean, it it obviously cleared the 50% plus 1 threshold, but uh it it was less of a it was less of a sure thing than this what we're seeing at 58.5% right now. What roadblocks could keep this from passing in November?
3: Well, I think that um, number one I think both sides are going to spend a lot of money. I couldn't, I couldn't tell you who's going to spend more, but I would think both sides would be well-funded. Um, I think it's up to, you know, if you're looking at the numbers and, and, and taking the numbers for what they are, I think it's up for up to the opposition side to come out and demonstrate why the idea is bad. Being able, you know, clearly there will be some people who say they support it who maybe do so softly. Uh, there wasn't really a, a high undecided on this question. So, you know, people that really are that, that really don't know how they're going to vote, I think the undecided was about somewhere in the 12 to 13% range. And so there's not a lot of undecided to persuade. There's some, but I think really what you're going to have to see, if you're you know, on the opposition side, they're going to have to persuade some of those soft supporters to maybe, you know, rethink, rethink their support and change their mind. So a lot of bad dollars, a lot of, a lot of, you know, arguments of why maybe this isn't a good thing, showing maybe consequences of how this is in their, in their opinion, maybe not going well in other states, things like that.
4: Yeah. What sort of arguments can we expect? I mean, you're you're someone who works with Republican candidates. I imagine that a lot of the pushback we'll see are from more conservative think tanks or groups and that sort. What sort of arguments are going to be made opposing recreational marijuana? You know,
3: I think the best arguments really that can be made in campaigns are are the ones that are concrete, that you can point to specific situations rather than hypotheticals. So, I think for the for the opposition to be effective, you know, talking about things that could happen or hypothetical situations that could develop is probably not a compelling message. I think if they can point to specifics in other states uh, where maybe the tax revenue hasn't been what proponents promised or that they've uh, had problems with incarceration or underage use, things like that, if they can demonstrate specific examples from other jurisdictions, I think that gives them a little bit more Ability to be successful and and maybe you know putting some doubt into people's minds. So concrete concrete specifics rather than kind of the the generic fear campaign of this is bad. I don't think this is bad, is going to get is going to get them where they want to be.
4: Right, because you know we we deal with controlled substances already here in Arkansas. We have alcohol. We have uh, we have cigarettes. Um, you know, do do you think that there's any? Legitimacy to the people who say, you know, cigarettes and alcohol are a syntax that we're willing to deal with, but marijuana maybe is a step too far.
3: I think you know, I think everyone evaluates the level of harm both to the individual and to society differently. Um, I think over time, this is kind of the been been the issue on the national level that has kind of been the next frontier beyond cigarettes and alcohol, right? I mean, but you have to you know keep in mind that you know Arkansas has a lot of dry counties too. So it right. doesn't mean that, you know, there's necessarily a, a wide reception for alcohol, Although the laws are, you know, pretty hard to change in some aspects on alcohol. So, you know, it really depends. I think this, this is the issue that's kind of that that next step of legalization on the, if, if you're looking at kind of those products uh, as a whole would obviously be much different if you were talking about other types of controlled substances, I think that would you know maybe be a bridge too far. But again, I think what proponents would say is, you know, Legalization has gone well in other jurisdictions, and they would probably point to you know areas where tax revenue did produce what what proponents said it was going to, and that there haven't been crime problems and there haven't been underage use, you know, with a with a highly regulated industry. So they're going to probably be doing, I would think, the same thing, which is demonstrate with clear examples of you know why they're why they're supportive and and how they can give you know some some confidence to people that may be kind of those soft supporters.
4: I know with, when we think of, I think the, the alcohol is a good example. When we think of why it's been so challenging in Arkansas to turn all of Arkansas wet is there's a lot of, wet counties who neighbor dry counties who are going to lose out on tax revenue if, say, you're in Pulaski County and you have folks who come over from Faulkner County to go to Lake Liquor and Mel and say they're going to lose out on a lot of of revenue, tax revenue, if Faulkner County also becomes wet. Is there any sort of parallel when we look at medicinal marijuana and recreational marijuana?
3: Uh, on, the, on this specific issue, I don't think there is. I, I agree on alcohol. Sometimes you've got some strange bedfellows where, you know, county county liquor stores, neighboring county liquor stores will kind of ally with church groups and, and try to, you know, keep a lid on legalization of, of alcohol in, their area, in in the other area. I think with this one, the way it's written, at least the way I understand it, 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 it appears to me that, you know, folks that have an existing medical marijuana license to sell and produce will receive a recreational license, and then there will be some some amount of additional licenses that will be issued. So it's it's harder for me to see how uh, you know the industry players that exist today would necessarily be harmed, other than the fact that some may be doing better than others. But it, I think the argument would be as the market increases and there's more participants in the market, then there's enough to go around. And therefore, everybody can still benefit by being able to grow their market share. So I don't really see that necessarily as much uh, on this issue as you do with alcohol.
4: Governor Asa Hutchinson shared a message uh, in a tweet recently from a group called Safe and Secure Communities, who is in opposition to this measure. Um, What do we know about this group and and Governor Hutchinson's relationship with them?
3: Well, I I can really, couldn't really tell you on the latter part. I mean, what I've seen is that they're kind of the, the primary opposition group that's formed out there that gotten some... Ah, uh, big donations, you know to fight this. My team, some of the other members of the congressional delegation have kind of done similar messages. I mean, I think uh, really they you know, if, you, if you just look in the name, it's stay for communities. I think they'll probably be making arguments about safety and you know effect on minors and and things like that. So I mean, you know it's it, as we saw, when we talked about kind of the party breakdown. you know Republicans are are, are clearly the most skeptical and least kind of initially supportive of Legalization, And so I think that that's, that's probably the logical place to start, is to try to persuade Republican voters that this isn't such a great idea, and then try to expand beyond Republicans at some point. But if you can't get Republicans to significantly increase their opposition, it's, it's really going to be a losing battle, I think, in trying to get the electorate at large.
4: Uh, Robert, is there anything I missed or anything you want to make sure uh, we touch on here when we think about this polling data?
3: Well, the only, the only other thing I would say is, you know, polls are, uh, they're not predictive. They don't predict the future they measure the present and the present is the present and the environment can change and so um you know people shouldn't re- look at a poll in september and just assume that everything's going to be hunky-dory and not change there's a lot of things moving around us in the world and people's views can change re- you know relatively quickly i'm sure there'll be some other numbers come out closer to the election those might be a little bit more indicative of where things end up and have a finer point on it but as it stands today Kind of before the big dollars are spent, I think this, this poll accurately shows where where people's initial views are.
4: Yeah, Robert Kuhn is a managing partner with Impact Management Group. Robert, thanks so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me.
3: You
0: can hear more of Matthew's reporting on Recreation Marijuana on our voter education podcast, Natural Election.
3: In the background is
5: pianist Pete mellon Verney and I'm Robert Ginsburg, your host for Shades of Jazz. We'll hear more from Pete as well as Amina Figueroa, she'll be in concert
3: this weekend at Walton Arts Center. Bill Frizzell, Alex Garnett, Charlie Hayden, and much more. Tune in to Shades of Jazz every Friday and
5: Saturday right here on KUAF.
0: This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone from her office in Bella Vista is Becca Martin-Brown, Features Editor of the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Becca, how are you doing?
6: I'm just Fine. How are you?
0: I'm good. I have a question for you because you are okay. now closer in your office to Bikes Blues and Barbecue than I am. For for years, you know, by this time in the week, I would hear motorcycles outside my windows all the time. It's migrated north to Rogers. You're in Bella Vista. Have you heard more motorcycles than usual? I haven't heard a peep. Okay. As I, I did, mentioned,
6: however, decide that we're going to do this week geographically. We're going to talk about events that will take you. Right into the heart of Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue and events that won't.
0: All right. I'm going to let you lead us.
6: Okay. So, Bikes, Blues, and Barbecue, in case you have somehow missed it, they have moved this year from Fayetteville to Rogers. And all of downtown Rogers is going to be full of events related to the motorcycle rally and some things out at Pinnacle Hills Promenade. Tomorrow... There's a car show starting at 10 o'clock at Pinnacle Hills Promenade. At noon, the Frisco Inferno barbecue competition starts in downtown Rogers. It has a beer garden, it has live music, and it has up to 25 amateur barbecue teams. At 2 o'clock, the music starts at the Rail Yard. Also in downtown Rogers, the Rogers Historical Museum is hosting the Great Cardboard Train Race.
0: Tell me more about this.
6: People have signed up in teams of four to create a cardboard engine that must say Frisco on it somewhere. And then they will be judged for both style and will compete in a race.
0: So is this like sort of like the Flintstones? I mean, they'll be using the power of their own eight feet? Yes. Okay.
6: Yes. They will be judging for style at 10.15, and the race, which is an obstacle course, starts at 10.30, it's all free to watch. And then you can go up the street, and at 4 and 6.30 at Arkansas Public Theater at the Victory, they're showing a documentary film called Hogtown. A documentary about an annual biker rally that triples the population of a southern college town.
0: Or used to triple the population of a <laughs> southern college <laughs> exactly. town, right.
6: Tickets are $5 at org. Tickets Now, if you want to go away from the biker rally, sure. I am correct that the football game is at Mississippi State.
0: Yes? It, yes. In Starkville, kickoff at 11 o'clock.
6: Okay. So Fayetteville, in theory, should be safe. In which case, you need to go to Fayetteville and see a brand new musical that has never been seen. It's in a workshop right now with Pilot Arts. And it's called the Golden Record.
0: Right. And this is inspired by the record that NASA sent up in case any intelligent life wanted to know more about Earth.
6: And this is the story of the people who put together the Golden Record and chose the photos and chose the greetings and chose the montage of sounds on Earth and chose the music that would go up with the Voyager spacecraft in case somebody found it. And you have exactly three chances to see it. Right. Seven o'clock today, two and seven o'clock tomorrow. It's happening at Rock Hill Studios on Township in Fayetteville. Tickets are 20 to $30. And this is one of those shows that someday there could be a script that people rent that says the first production was at Pilot Arts in Fayetteville, Arkansas.
0: And you might be able to say you were there.
6: Pilotarts.org. And Sunday evening, you're going to hop in the car and you're going to drive to Siloam Springs where you're going to see Jubilant Sykes in concert.
0: That's right. Uh, we had a chance to talk with him. That conversation is going to air again Sunday morning on Weekend Ozarks at Large. Such a delightful human being with such a great voice.
6: He is wonderful and so mellow and kind and just I like him a lot. Yeah. And he will be at the Barry Performing Arts Center on the John Brown University campus at 7 30 on sunday evening this is an opportunity you should not miss you can get tickets at jbu.edu tickets and then the random also this weekend list today and tomorrow from nine to four at blowing springs park in bella vista is flea in the park which is an outdoor flea market and handcrafted goods and food and music in a really pretty spot it's also vintage market days from 10 to 5 today and tomorrow and until 4 on Sunday at Benton County Fairgrounds. James and the Giant Peach is on stage at 7 today, 3 and 7 tomorrow and 3 on Sunday at Breedlove Auditorium at UAFS. The reason Jubilant Sykes is performing on Sunday night is because the theater department at JBU is rapping at Murder on the Orient Express. 7.30 today and tomorrow Two o'clock matinee tomorrow. Tickets are $16. And University Theater in Fayetteville is wrapping up a brand new script by an MFA playwright. It's called This Bitch, and it's at 7.30 today and tomorrow and two on Sunday. All right. Then on Saturday, there's a fall festival in, well, all over downtown Fort Smith. At the Fort Smith National Historic Site at Miss Laura's Visitor Center, at the Fort Smith Museum of History, at the Fort Smith Trolley Museum,
0: all day tomorrow. And isn't the trolley running from the festival yes. to the Ram? Yeah.
6: And it's also railroad day tomorrow at the Boone County Heritage Museum in Harrison from one to four. And it's pottery on the patio tomorrow from 4 PM to sunset at the community creative center at Nadine Bomb studios in Fayetteville with free art activities. And there's a Hispanic celebration from five to nine tomorrow at the Garrison Comets. No, not commons.
0: Commons, yeah.
6: Garrison Commons Pocket Park at 913 Garrison Avenue in Fort Smith. And then on Sunday, don't miss the fall jazz concert with the Northwest Arkansas Women's Chorus under the direction of Larry Zaring at First United Methodist Church in Bella Vista.
0: Becca Martin-Brown features editor at the Northwest Arkansas Democrat Gazette. Thank you, Becca.
2: Walton Arts Center's 10x10 Arts Series begins Thursday, October 20th at 7 p.m. with Ida Cubas. Dubbed the Queen of Mariachi, Cubas is a Grammy and Latin Grammy Award winner and an esteemed figure in Mexico for her devotion to traditional mariachi music. Tickets and information at waltonartscenter.org or 443-5600. Arkansas SHIP, the Arkansas Senior Health Insurance Information Program, announces open enrollment now through December 7th. Arkansas SHIP offers free, confidential, unbiased, and educational advice for those needing to find the best Medicare Part D drug plan for 2023. For more, 1-800-224-6330.
0: This is Ozarks at Law. With me in the Anthony and Susan Hoy News Studio to continue our autumn reading list is Pastor Clint Sneckloth, lead pastor at Good Shepherd Lutheran Church. Welcome back!
7: Thanks. It's great to be here.
0: All right. So uh, so far this autumn, we've talked about Pinocchio, the original <laughs> novel. We've talked about a women's lectionary uh, for the whole church. What do we have this time?
7: Well, this is continuing our series. I think I've done a number of these here with you now, where I bring in a new translation of a classic spiritual text. Yes, you have. We've done the Tao and some other things. And this one is Practice of the Presence by Brother Lawrence. So um, this is after the 30-year war. Brother Lawrence actually fought in the 30-year war, was injured, got mm-hmm. received a leg injury in the 30 Year War, then became a monk. Um, His original name was Nicholas Herman, and then became Brother Lawrence. And um, he was this guy. um, Like, he, I think his main job in the monastery was to procure food and do food prep and stuff like that in the kitchen. And over time, he started to attract. People attending to him as kind of like a spiritual mentor. Um, but oddly, not because he was so wise, but because he was so simple. Okay. You know, it wasn't like he was like running these deep tracks in theology or something like that. Um sometimes we th- kind of think of like the people we want to listen to as being like profound, right? Right. Climbing up that uh,
0: proverbial mountain yeah, to right, talk to the right. wise man. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
7: Hi, hi, Brother Lawrence, on the other hand, was kind of the... In fact, when people would first encounter him, they would sometimes kind of almost be frustrated by the level of simplicity, like it's that easy, mm-hmm. you know? And then... But then as they would spend more time with his way, they would be like, oh. And so the this translation is exists because the translator felt that way, having come across it, and then wanted to do a a modern translation. Um, I honestly don't know how to pronounce her second name, but it's Carmen Acevedo Butcher uh, is the translator. And um, she actually tells a story about the fact that she first found practice of the presence while walking on the side of a road, like and a copy like on the, the copy was just upside down and been uh-huh. run over and was in the middle of the road and she picked it up.
0: Oh, imagine then you pick this <laughs> up and you start reading it and it has an effect on you. Yeah,
7: it's it, yeah. Wow. <laughs> um, b- but the because he's simple, what he actually created was very brief. Um, this is what's funny. So you got like a uh, what is it like a 200 page book? Mm-hmm. Not not huge, but right. like a 200 page book. But they've had to fill. So there's all these <laughs> testimonials from just everybody in theological publishing has made a comment about it in here, like tons of people I've read and like. And then um, and then there's all these like translator's preface and the author's preface, which is the same as the translator, but she gets two prefaces to right, fill more space. Right, right. And then there's like all this like filler because the spiritual maxims that are the center of the Practice of the Presence is five pages.
0: Well, that's a pamphlet.
7: Yeah, Otherwise, yeah, it's like yeah. a pamphlet. And then what happened was that he had this like set of practices that was the, the maxims, and then the original uh, guy who published his stuff collected his, a series. That people started trying to find his letters, and Brother Lawrence didn't really want people to follow him. Or he wanted to be under the radar, so people had to work really hard to even find these few letters around. So there's just like 17, 15 letters altogether, something like that, mostly that he wrote to nuns in other monasteries for just offering spiritual advice around different things. And then that guy went and had a series of conversations with Brother Lawrence. And so there's four, uh, five conversations— recorded by this, uh, interviewer. Um, and then there's some padding on the end. So, um, th- there's like a re of the, of the basic practice. Um, three pages of that. And the whole point, all it is, is you just practice keeping in mind that God's present. Which sounds simple. That's the whole maxim. And then everything else he says is just that. Like, come up with a mantra that right. reminds you that God is present. Or um, keep your life simple because simplicity will allow greater space for you to remember that God is present. And just like, and then all, all everything just centers around that one basic thing.
0: But I'm guessing you're saying you haven't... We didn't have to issue a spoiler alert, and you don't need the book now because I'm sure there's more to learn through this book than just what the maxim is.
7: Well, yeah, right. And if, yeah. if like you said, if that were easy, right, <laughs> uh, you wouldn't have to write letters to him asking him to explain himself further. You wouldn't go to him as your the guy who goes to him. See, um there's there was this tradition in that period, it's still kind of around, but they would call people like this a starits. It's from the Russian, mm-hmm. like a holy one or a you know, wise fool or whatever. And you would go and you would sit at the feet of this wise fool and have them be like your spiritual mentor or whatever. You know, people wouldn't be going to him if it if it were easy. Right. Simplicity is different than I mean you're right to point out like, am I giving away the whole thing and you don't have to get the book? I have found that these kinds of books are really transformative for me. I, I have to come to them differently. You know, it's not like reading a big, fat novel. that right. kind of carries right. you through over a period of time. So if you're going to read this with and have it be transformative, you have to engage it differently than War and Peace. Maybe what I'm drawn to is the fact that the, that the people who— are writing those little verbs at the beginning and that the translator invested this kind of time and energy and thought it was worth doing a new, more inclusive translation and really wanted to be faithful to the language, that all that means if that whole group of people has been drawn to it, what is it about it that right. Right. draws me? And honestly, I am drawn, especially lately, I would say to—you like I, you and I were talking about how coming into this summer and having lived through the pandemic and lived through a, a lot of other things that we're all carrying all this kind of stuff around us. And we're, we think, okay, we're going to come up with a technological solution to finally get ourselves off the hook of all the struggle or whatever that we're experiencing. And there isn't one.
0: <laughs> yeah. I've, for me, that ship has sailed. I realize that is not coming.
7: <laughs> yeah. And so then these this kind of a invitation has more, you know, it's like the the, the mantra I've been using, which isn't quite focused on God, but I'm still using it, is it'll be fine. <laughs> right. It's going it's to be fine. But <laughs> saying God is there is like that too. Of
0: course, of course. Yeah. Not to be flippant, but of course.
7: Yeah, yeah. Um, And another part of this that's fascinating, Then I didn't know this about Brother Lawrence until I read this, is, you know, so he was wounded in the war. He had pain that got increasingly bad his entire life. So he lived his entire life with chronic pain. Mm. Uh, He had, um, especially the last 25 years of his life, he lived into his 70s. And that takes on a whole other level of poignancy when you hear somebody teaching the presence of God when he's in pain.
0: Practice of the presence. And again, the translator?
7: Carmen Acevedo Butcher. All right. Pastor Clint Schnecklaw, thank you for your time. Absolutely.
6: Join KUAF, the African and African American Studies Program at the University of Arkansas, and the Fayetteville Public Library for the R Word book discussion series with author, speaker, and historian Jamar Tisby, who will join us virtually to speak on his book, How to Fight Racism, that was featured on The R Word, a limited series podcast from KUAF.
5: Can you share some of your story with us? Who are you and why are you here today?
3: (laughs) It's a long story. The short version is I
0: am a Black Christian who has learn the hard way about the enduring
1: racism in some circles of white christianity
6: yeah, join in the discussion on how to fight racism thursday october 13th at 6 30 p.m go to kuaf.com for more information
0: This is Ozarks at Large. With me on the phone is Courtney Lanning, who's going to tell us whether we're going to spend some time watching a new movie this week. Courtney, how are you?
5: Kyle, I'm good. How are you doing?
0: All right. You know, technology has thrown me a few curveballs this week, but that happens to all of us, I think.
5: That's true. I don't think anyone's immune from those woes. (laughs) Let's
0: talk about the movie The Luckiest Girl Alive, which title alone makes me think oh a rom-com something sweet that i could spend a saturday afternoon with but i think i'm wrong
5: you would be 1000 percent incorrect with that estimation kyle um luckiest girl alive is a new film that you know it comes with the biggest trigger warnings i can possibly state uh, this is a very dark and brutal movie it earns its rated r rating um and i think that if people are triggered by things like sexual assault and school shootings both of which are depicted with you know everything intact in this film don't watch it this is a film that makes no apologies for how upfront it it is is about the seriousness of these issues and you know if there's some people it's it's just going to be too much for.
0: All right. When you have a movie like this, you wonder, is it exploitation? Is it a thorough, serious examination of societal ills? Where does this fall?
5: You know, I think this uh, this definitely falls within an examination of a big issue, uh, which, of course, one of them being sexual assaults and the burdens that women who cannot share their stories for whatever reason have to carry. Um, the The story centers on this A young woman named Ani Who appears from the outside perspective To have the perfect life Uh, She's getting ready to marry this Handsome guy who's got lots of money So she's going to be set for life Um, She appears to like him a lot She's got a job At a successful magazine And she's thinking That she's probably going to be able to move on To the New York Times magazine soon So it seems like from the outside perspective Everything is going great The only thing is She's constantly haunted, as you figure out pretty soon, by an internal trauma that came from surviving a school shooting and other horrific events around that. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a a documentary director who is, you know, constantly following up with her, trying to get her to be in the documentary about the school shooting. So it's, it's just not something she can live down. And it's pretty obvious or will become obvious to the audience pretty quick that she has cocooned herself in this appearance of a perfect life. And throughout the movie, it is suffocating her because she is we're so heavily restricted in how she, how, how, can she, uh, how she can react to things, how she can talk to people, what she can do, what choices she can make. Um, it's, it's a pretty heavy film. So if
0: I'm hearing you correctly, Courtney, you're saying that it is a dark, brutal film, but it is well
5: made. It is very well made. Um, I think for those who find themselves watching Luckiest Girl Alive, this is one of the darkest movies of the year, but also one of the most brilliantly put together. And that's mostly because of the central star here playing Ani uh, Mila Kunis, who people will remember from comedies like That '70s Show, and you know she's the voice of Meg on Family Guy. Well, here she is. She's busting out her serious drama chops, uh, and she's stupendous. You know, she she acts her rear end off, and she proves that she can stand right up there in serious dramas with with people like Rosamund Pike from Gone Girl. So, if you're into twisted and brutal dramas, this is definitely one not to miss. Just it comes with the caveat of. Be warned, there's some very, very disturbing things in this film.
0: It comes out, well, I guess it's it's hard. Unfortunately, it's hard to, to figure out when to schedule a movie that has a central plot point of a school shooting because we unfortunately have them so often. But it does come pretty soon after Evaldi, Texas.
5: Right, and that's really my only critique of this film is, is not really the movie itself, but the timing. Um, I think I think we have to ask questions like the ones that That you're hinting at here um could this film have been delayed a little bit do movies like this and then earlier this year there was the fallout from hbo uh, which is also about a a school shooting do these films do more good than harm Uh, will their realistic depictions of these heinous events maybe spur enough change to reduce them or do they just re-traumatize survivors and you know that's a question for for film critics at large because I don't have the answer. I, I just think that it's it's a discussion worth having when it comes to these topics.
0: Brilliantly put together, but viewer beware, I think is what you're saying. Yes, 1,000%. All right. What else is out this week? Oh, where can we see, uh, if, if if one was to want to watch Luckiest Girl Alive? where is that?
5: If somebody wanted to watch this movie, they could find it on Netflix starting okay. today.
0: All right. What else uh, could we search for that's new this weekend?
5: So, you know, turning away from the the dark drama to a a more family-friendly picture, there's a movie coming out called Lyle, Lyle Crocodile, and it's based on a children's book that I understand is quite popular.
0: Yeah, okay. Well, that is a (laughs) a
5: 180,
0: absolutely. Uh, What will we talk about next week?
5: So next week, uh, I hope to do a review with you of a new rom-com coming to Hulu called Rosalina, which is a twist on the popular romeo and juliet story that focuses on his his ex that we have within the first
4: act
0: okay okay oh interesting well luckiest girl alive can be seen beginning today on netflix full review in today's arkansas democrat gazette courtney lanning as always thanks for your advice thanks for having me kyle
2: Support for KUAF comes from Optimum Business, offering products like secure internet with speeds up to 1 gig and 24-7 business customer support. More at Optimum.com business. Crystal Bridges Museum of American Art presents We the People, the Radical Notion of Democracy, featuring the nation's founding documents in conversation with American art, including a rare original print of the U.S. Constitution, opening July 2nd. Free tickets at crystalbridges.org.
0: The annual Bikes, Blues and Barbecue rally kicked off earlier this week at the Rogers Convention Center. The event officially moved to Rogers after two decades in downtown Fayetteville. In 2021, the motorcycle rallies events in Fayetteville were canceled due to COVID-19 concerns. And Rogers Mayor Greg Hines says his city became the unofficial host after that.
8: It's a regional event. The hub has been in Fayetteville the last 20 years. It's moved to Rogers. Um... Certainly officially for the first year this year, but unofficially was clearly the hub last year as well. The logistics are the event is in Northwest Arkansas and it's going to happen. And so wouldn't I rather be in a position where I get a seat at the table with the organizers and be able to have our um, sort of vision cooked into the cake, if you will, about what Bikes exclusive Barbecue is to Northwest Arkansas. So I chose to be part of the part of the solution, I hope.
0: The mayor says Rogers expects to see an influx of around 300,000 people in the city over the course of the weekend. That's based on previous years and projection models from the University of Arkansas.
8: We necessarily expect it to be that much more crowded, but because of the public space that has come online since uh, last year, being Frisco Plaza and the Butterfield Stage, you know, certainly expect bigger crowds at those events. Certainly more personnel from the police side, you know, additional um, restrooms and, and those sorts of things. I think we've got sort of the ability to cover the, the needed restroom, the needed open space, the the safety of of the the bicyclists as well as pedestrians, obviously.
0: Mayor Hines urges caution for drivers as more motorcycles and pedestrians will be in the downtown area.
8: Find a place to park and walk into the events. Um, if they're they're going to be bike and pedestrian friendly. Uh, they're going to purposefully be somewhat uncomfortable areas for vehicular traffic, and 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 that's by design for the safety of, of both the motorcyclists and the pedestrians. So, the
0: event continues through tomorrow evening. For schedules and event information, go to bikesbluesandbarbecue.org dot org. Monday on Ozarks at Large. After weeks of planning and experimenting, two makers in residence at the Scott Family Museum in Bentonville are almost ready for their exhibits to be presented to the public.
4: So I think one of the most interesting parts of my exhibit actually turned out to be the window that lets you see inside and kind of see behind the mirror, see all the cool things that are going on with the exhibit.
0: We go into the workshop at the Amazium Monday on Ozarks at Large. That's at noon and 7 p.m. and available as well on the free Ozarks at Large podcast. This is 91.3 KUAF, Fayetteville, Fort Smith, Bentonville, and Savoy. Ozarks at Large is a production of KUAF. Contributors today included Matthew Moore, Michael Tilly, Becca Martin-Brown, and Courtney Lanning. Matthew Moore produced today's show inside the Bruce and Ann Applegate News Studio 2. Also thanks to the newsroom at KASU Public Radio for Jonesboro for their contributions today as well. Sunday morning we're back with weekend Ozarks at Large. That's at nine o'clock and then A brand new week of daily Ozarks at Large begins on Monday. Our theme is written and performed by Daryl Sean. Thanks so much for your support and your attention. Please have a safe weekend. I'm Kyle Kellams.